Welcome to the EFCA West podcast. I'm Tim Jacobs, District Superintendent of EFCA West and your host for today's podcast. And it has been a while. We had some great episodes and then, you know, we hit the holidays and all kinds of stuff happened and I got COVID, which it wasn't that wasn't that bad. But, you know, who wants to record a podcast when you're sitting there sick, kind of with the flu like symptoms and all that kind of stuff. And in any case, I got to tell you a couple things before we kick into who we're going to talk to today and what we're going to talk about. First of all, there is the epic event of the year, June 16th and 17th. I think it's June 16th and 17th, maybe the 17th and 18th, but it's in there and it is our epic district conference. Now, since I have been in this role, we have not had a district conference in person. We've had like tried and then attempted and then it didn't work. So we had an online conference, which was fine, you know, but everybody knows that that's just not exactly the same. So we just keep kind of rehashing it and updating it and positioning it to what is going to make sense for now. And so the theme is kinetic. Is that a cool word? Kinetic energy from movement. What does it look like to lead and not just talk about what you're going to do, not just plan what you're going to do, not just say things like someday maybe we'll do this and wouldn't it be a good idea if we did that, but you just start going. What does it look like? How do you do it? What do you need and how can we help? So it's exciting. Kinetic Energy from Movement. It's our district conference. It's going to be the whole theme. We have a great lineup of speakers and you can have the opportunity to sign up very, very soon. Also, I want to say one more thing. For those of you who are financially supporting EFCA West, thank you for doing that um, because, hey, you're part of the family and that's what family does. I mean, it's it's what it means, right? If you are an EFCA church and you're not supporting us, well, there's nothing in the Bible that says you have to. But, um, you know, I would just encourage you strongly to think about it. What does it look like? Do, is what we're doing adding value to your ministry? If it is, um, you know, go to the decision makers, whoever is the one that uh, says, hey, we should do this and talk to them about it because that's how we do what we do. And I believe strongly in our staff and all that we're doing. There are so many churches and leaders and church planters and all kinds of things that we have our hands in. And it's so fun to be able to see all that is happening in the seven state region that makes up EFCA West. But one of the brightest spots absolutely is a brand new person that we have got to, that we have brought on to EFCA West staff. And you're going to hear a lot about that and get the chance to meet her. So this episode is an opportunity for you to hear from this person. She's not a stranger to a lot of you, certainly not to us and our staff, but some of you maybe have never heard of her before. And I am so excited to introduce to all of our EFCA West churches and leaders, the one, the only Katie Dudgeon. Katie. (laughs) Hi, everyone. (laughs) It is so great to have you. Now, Katie, you're like, okay, if you don't know who Katie is. So we have something called Reach Global. And it is a mis- the missionary arm of the EFCA. 
and Katie will tell you all about that. But we kind of snagged Katie for a little while, for about a year at least. We'll see what happens um, to help us with some stuff, to work with Reach Global and with EFCA West and to help you. So first of all, Katie, it's great to see you. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to be part of this team that I've gotten to know over the years, actually, just because of the connections between the district and what was happening in Berlin, Germany with Reach Global. I've had the opportunity to meet the team and other district leaders, but not everybody in the district because it's a massive district. <laughs> it so. is. And and you have been in the room with our team We've invited, we, you have, you've had for several years, um, probably like three or four years, you've had a standing open invitation to any one of our staff meetings that we have to help us think through strategy and, you know, all kinds of stuff that's going on because of your experience working with uh, leaders, pastors, those who have like the apostolic gift, you know, I think to go and start mm-hmm. new ventures out in Europe and you have a world, you kind of have a worldwide perspective on things. And so we've brought you in a number of times, to just ask you, like, what do you think about this? And you have helped shape things um, with EFCA West. And so we're super grateful and we're excited that that this worked out for you to be um, to be with us. And we're, we're going to talk about that. And then but the real thing is not just what you're doing, but the implications of what you're doing and why it's important. And we're going to talk about leadership and what leadership looks like right now, especially in churches um, and, and get your perspective. But first of all, tell us a little bit about you. I mean, how did you how did you come to faith in Christ? What's your did you did you grow up in church? Are you because, you you know, you seem like you grew up in church. I mean, you just kind of have that been around <laughs> You know, the like church you, vibe. Yeah, you have the church vibe, which is I take. The, I have the. I mean, I did, so I kind of have the church vibe too, I guess. Yeah. So, tell us about your background. So, I actually grew up. Uh, grew up in a Christian home. Um, was the daughter of a pastor. So, I um, came to faith um, in Christ at a very young age, and I would say have it's been a journey figuring out what that really meant. Um, for me, it's it's been a series of yeses. You know, there was, I guess, the big yes when I was four years old, <laughs> but, but really it's, it's a series of yeses saying, yes, I want what you offer. I want that. Yes, I need this. I need what you have. And I think growing up in, in the church, I think one of the challenges, and this is true for a lot of women, a lot of a youth, even just, you can almost become more be, uh, performance oriented um, performance-based, kind of the moral formation. And I think for me, it was always very, very clear that I was a Christian. I was saved by God's grace. Like I could not earn uh, a relationship with him by anything I did. It was completely his grace that saved me. But it was kind of a revolutionary uh, moment in college. And I was at a conference and the speaker said, God will never love you any less than he does now. And I was like, of course, that's that's true, right? There's nothing I can do to get out of his grace. His grace extends beyond that. And he will never love you any more than he does now. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why am I doing all these things? Isn't it because he's going to love me more? Mm. Isn't it for his love? And that made me realize that moment that I was not living by grace and that his grace is where we, that is our oxygen, at in the Christian life and that we're not, yeah, we want to please him, but he, he already loves us. Um, and so we're not earning that. We're not earning that love. We get to live in it and just enjoy it. And so, um, that that's been a big part of my journey, um, growing up from growing up in a Christian home, 
You know, but and I, think, I, I just want to cut in on that because, like, I think that is what you said was so profound because I, I know in my own journey, um, I, I went through that too, you know, and where mm-hmm. it is that performance kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. I remember um, it, it took me till like I was like about 30 and I was, you know, I planted a church and it wasn't, I mean, it was doing well by a lot of statistical standards, but I was, I just felt like a failure in a lot of ways. And I was just really confused. And I did, I kind of had this thing of, well, this contract with God, I do what you want and then you give me right. what I want. <laughs> and then I remember I was in a DMIN program at Dallas Seminary and the professor, he, he looked at all of us and he goes, he goes, you guys are all trying to do your will in God's name. Mm. And I was like, and that, and oh, wow. yeah, I was like shattered by that. Cause I was, that's exactly what I was doing. I'm like, well, God, I'm going to do what I want to do. And then I'm gonna do it for you <laughs> as opposed to right. like, you know, and I think, I think it's kind of like what you're saying too, where, where you spend your early years, you you know, you're saved by grace, but there's this other part of, okay, well, I'm going to work really hard and then God's going to be happy with me and he's going to give me the things that I want. And I don't know if a lot of leaders really make that, that they don't ever get to the other side of that. And I think it can ruin them. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and it actually takes away the essence and uniqueness of Christianity so when you start going out, you're around others who don't share your faith. Um, if you're not tied in to God's grace and his His work on the cross for you, always and forever, <laughs> and you, it's, I mean, I call it like, it's like functionally you're Muslim. I mean, and I, and I don't mean to be offensive by that, and I'm not an expert on world religions, but, but essentially, if we're not tied into this grace thing, like we're missing the essence of Christianity and what really is unique about Christ. You're living what, what, what most people think religion is, is you, right. you, you do, you obey God and God is happy with you. Yep. Behavior based. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's like what's obvious to most people, but that's, that's why I think there's such a, a ministry is so challenging in, in, to get this in our heads because ministry mm-hmm. is about, you know, if you do what's right in the eyes of the world, if you're talented, if you, you know, then the world, the world, the church world, in a sense, rewards you by showing up to all your stuff and mm-hmm. supporting your ministry and saying, wow, what a great leader you are. But then, like you said, God, God's not going, oh, wow, you know, I really wasn't sure about you, <laughs> but now I am. <laughs> right. You know? right. And in the midst of that, he wants your heart. Right. I mean, I know we can say that over and over again, but I think as as leaders, we need to hear it, that God doesn't want our ministry. He wants our heart. And I think some of the, some of the people who have the richest relationship with God, um, don't have the biggest, most impressive ministries. Um, you know, I've sat with many a missionary who doesn't have a lot to show for it, but you sit with them and you feel like you've almost been in the presence of God because they are walking so closely with him and listening to him that they're, they're able to live a life that looks very different from the outs, you know, from the outside looks really different, but yet is very pleasing to the Lord. <laughs> so, um, it's not intuitive. It's, it's not intuitive. Right. You yeah. have to like have it, yeah. you have to have it kind of beat into you in a sense. You have, for me, I did, I had to go through, I had to exhaust myself in a sense in ministry and then get to the end and before mm-hmm. God was like, mm-hmm. okay, dude, now maybe we can do something with you because <laughs> you need to get out of your own way, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Finally, you got it through your head. <laughs> this is not about you. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah. but so I so okay. But that was I just I wanted to just point that out because I think that was sounds like for you that was a profound revelation that helped shape you. Oh, absolutely. And my what I was referring to earlier in terms of other religions, it's actually one of the ways that I grew the most in my younger years was around those um, outside my faith in kind of a school context, college context, work context, where people didn't share my beliefs and I had to explain it. I had to um, communicate it. And that that's where I've always grown a lot. It's what's pressed me. Oh, I never thought about that. I'm going to have to think about that. Like, and, and just God has used that in my life to grow me. But it also is, if I'm really not tied into that grace, then I am just kind of, I am like any other religious person, Mm -hmm. any other religion, there really is nothing then that I have to offer. And when I moved to Europe, that was really key. And again, God used some specific authors like a Brennan Manning book and different things to really kind of just shake up my thinking a little bit and remind me that, Hey, this is, this is, this is what ministry is, is understanding this and helping other people understand this. And it's too good. It's almost too good to be true. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, so you then, so you have this, you know, you're growing in this reality and then you end up. So what was the point for you where you, you sense that God was calling you away from here, away from the United States? Well, yeah. You know, and I grew up in a family that traveled a lot, that liked to travel. And so we had a lot of adventures. So other cultures were always interesting and they kind of like to go off the beaten path. And I mean, they weren't hippies or anything like that, but um, just traveling and getting exposure and was part of a church that had a partnership um, in Romania back when the wall fell. So in the early nineties and got really involved in that. And so that got me kind of out of my own world and exposed to opportunities and connected with reach global. So our, our church ended up sending out a family to help launch a ministry, plant a church in, in Romania. And that partnership then grew. And then it led me to even study international relations um, and then get a language under my belt. And so that's that there's just this interest, a kind of a natural interest in culture. And I think in communicating the gospel to those who come from a different framework. And that's, like I said earlier, that's how I've grown. And so it's just it's very uh, energizing for me to be in those kinds of environments and to think, Hey, if, if somebody could put this in a way that you understand it, you might receive this, this might change your life. So that's, to me, that's just kind of how I'm wired. But I think, uh, after going to seminary, after working on staff at a church, I just thought, Hey, I'm ready. I really would like to be in another culture. And I didn't even have the language for this at the time, but I really wanted to, to work somewhere where Christianity hadn't really taken root yet. And I, I'm not uh, like a rural person. I'm not like, so the unreached people group never really connected with me personally. But what I realized is I do have a heart for essentially unreached people, but really those unreached people in the cities, in urban centers. And that's really where a lot of them are located in Europe um, as kind of really the secular um epicenter of the world at this point in time. And so that's really that connection of like, oh, I have this heart for people who who haven't had exposure to all of the resources that I've had. I mean, I you could just go down the resources in my life 
um, you know, Sunday school teachers, camp counselors, mentors, youth group leaders, Bible study leaders. I mean, you could just go through and the resources, right, that I've had that um, others, you know, throughout the world don't have. And that's really what kind of brought, got me to Europe. You know, I think about that a lot because, well, first of all, I love what you said about and again, it was kind of like that thing of when you're a kid and, and like the missionaries come visit and, and, and you're, and I remember I would say stuff, well, you know, if, if I don't want to run around with like a loincloth on, I guess I'm not being called to <laughs> right. be a missionary. Right. And that's, right. that is, those are my words, you know, cause I'm, I'm yeah. immature and whatever. Um, but that's kind of how I would put stuff. And, and yet I, I really do wish that when I was younger, that, that, um, more of a holistic approach to like an under holistic understanding of missions would have been presented. And I do think that back in the, you know, eighties, nineties or whatever, um, I don't know, that's kind of a huge generalization, probably earlier than that too. There was this idea that missions was something that we did somewhere else. And, um, so what happens, what will happen, you know, this, I mean, the church are so many of our churches do a wonderful job supporting people, uh, you know, along, you know, supporting missionaries on the other side of the world, but like kind of a, not that great of a job, trying to reach people that are right next door. You know, we've kind of outsourced that. But the other part of it, though, too, is is just the 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 variety. I mean, thinking, okay, who wants to confront the fact that, yeah, in one of the one of the places where um, you know, Christianity was thriving is completely dead, gone, you know, almost worse mm-hmm. off because like, yeah, we tried that and it doesn't work. And that's where you went. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and Tim, that's, that's the same thing. I didn't have language to even describe that either, but we've had, you know, we have these stereotypes of missions and I just didn't want to wear an ugly missionary skirt. I you know, wanted to go somewhere where uh, you could go to a good restaurant. Uh, and, and turns out for me, that was missions. Um, you know, the cafe culture of Europe is a place where relationships happen, where conversations happen. It's where historically ideas have formed that have shaped our societies, even when you think about great writers, philosophers. So um, really, I would say this is what I would say missions right now is a both end scenario, because you do have those unreached people groups that are, you know, tribal, that are really hard to even access geographically. And yet at the same time, you have people who, because of the internet now, everyone has access to the gospel. If you have an internet connection, but yet have very little exposure to the gospel. And so you see missionary missionary efforts are really a both end scenario now, as well as church planting, like the historic evangelism, discipleship, church planting and compassion ministries. It's not an either or anymore. It's not just building a well, providing water, food, clothing, shelter, hospitals or orphanages. Um, it's also church planting, evangelism. It's helping people live out their faith in the, in the business context. It's helping the gospel connect to the art world, right? So I would say missionary missions in 2022 is a both end scenario. Well, and the thing I want to ask you is because often, oftentimes when we talk about these places and missions, missions for, for decades has, and maybe centuries has been associated with like helping people uh, with a felt need that's really obvious, like a well, or, you know, we're going to build something for you, but you go to a place like Berlin, they don't need anything from you. I mean, they've, from a felt need standpoint, that's physical or tangible necessarily. So how do you, what was this, what, what is the strategy to go in, um, and, and bring the gospel to that, to what is an absolutely unreached people group? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, one of the shifts in, in, in missions um, is to really say, hey, to recognize that God is already at work in those places where we show up. And historically, as Americans, we thought, hey, we're the ones that are just starting everything. Once we land, that's when things get off the ground. And what we what we discovered, even in a place like Berlin, which is roughly under 2%, it's really hard to measure believers, evangelical believers, um, Christians. And so we'd say roughly under 2% um, would be believers, Christ followers, self-identified Christ followers. And even in a place like that, you do have a local church. You do have, it's, it's small. It doesn't have the resources that we're used to, but it's there. And what we want to do is come and support that, feed that. If you think about like a plant that is just, you know, kind of very, just hanging on kind of, I'm looking outside my window at a garden right now that is in that kind of condition. It's like, it's hanging on. It hasn't had a lot of attention. There's not a lot of fruit, but yet it is, it is there. And so how can we come alongside and water that? How can we feed that? How can we nurture that? And so that's really what Reach Global has done in, um, in cities like Berlin is say, Hey, how can we come alongside German leaders and churches that want to see their city transformed by the gospel. And so that's what we focused on was coming alongside those German leaders who were um, launching ministries to transform the city or to meet a certain need. And, um, and those who are also trying to start new churches. And, and like I said, it's a both end um, approach to, to really reaching a city but Berlin is really unique in terms of Europe, um, and cities are are this way in general. Um, they have a lot of resources, a lot of great things, and the needs are can be hidden, can be very much hidden and not not as um, not as observable. But a city like Berlin that has gone through so much kind of destruction and so much change that there are actually a fair amount of physical needs, but you also have people who are modern urban people who don't need anything. You know, very self sufficient. So. For us, we were also looking at, hey, how are how can we come alongside these leaders who have a vision to impact different areas of society? So whether it's the art world and saying, hey, how does the gospel actually um, redeem or reorient artists? Right? How do they? Um, the gospel brings hope and creativity to people who are searching for meaning, right, and significance in the art world. So it's really about connecting the gospel. So for prostituted women, that provides right, of freedom and grace um, where they're normally met with shame or blame, right, or ostracization. They're, mm-hmm. they're, the gospel says you belong now. And so looking at very, you know, whether it's sports or whether it's at-risk youth and that message of you don't have to live in that history anymore of that family. Um, or whether it's just, again, that, that professional that, like we talked about earlier, that high performance where it's about performing and being self-sufficient and yet they, they need that breath of fresh air and that grace that says, you don't have to do it all. You can't do it all. In fact, we weren't wired to. So just saying that that's a, a kind of a variety of different ways of saying, hey, how does the gospel connect to these different sectors or industry, but these different people? And that's to me where there is a lot of connection then back to the U.S. church. And, and that missions isn't kind of this line of, Hey, they do that there, but it's totally different here. And that's where I have found a lot of churches. Um, we've been able to really connect and kind of walk through that together. Hey, how can you actually reach those in your community who don't have a lot of physical need, 
-hmm. So historically, um, evangelical churches in the U.S. have been awesome at really meeting needs in their community. And in fact, this is where I think I see a lot of churches in our district, in fact, who are, who are doing incredible things um, to reach immigrants, to serve the community, those in need. But where they often get stuck is how do we actually connect with that secular person? How do we connect with that person who you know, doesn't really have a high view of church, um, didn't come from a church background, you know, is not going to just drop by our church. How do we actually, are we, how do we connect with them? Um, so. Yeah, that's really good. Cause, and I think so much of it is it, obviously it's, it's relationships, but I think it's also just knowing how to talk about things that we all have in common. Cause we have to see ourselves as brothers and sisters that are all kind of on this journey, trying to lead each other to what truth is. And, you know, it's funny, like I've shared this, um, but I, I like when, there's be people that I'll talk to and they'll say, well, you know, I'm a good person. And, uh, you know, I was born good or I'm a good person. And, and my response to that is, well, that's, that's great. Um, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I got like, <laughs> like pride issues and greed and anger and, you know, mm-hmm, my la- you know, mm-hmm. whatever lust, whatever. And, and it's funny because whenever <laughs> I say that and they always go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you just said you were a good person, you know? Um, I, yeah. what's, what's the deal here? And, and so it's always fun to just kind of talk, but, but you just, I think you have to be able to just know how to talk about regular things and then you find those connections. And I think one of the, you know, when we sit there and try to go too fast and like, well, do you know, Jesus Christ is your Lord and savior. And it's mm-hmm. like, there's just so much context that's missing out of that. But, um, right. so, I mean, you have, so, I mean, I've, you had this, uh, you know, you grew up in church and, and you know, kind of a lifer like me, um, you, you got called into ministry, you went to seminary, you got called to the mission field. And really that was kind of out of your own background that, that God, you know, and I believe that too. I think God does that. I think he, he plans, he puts these seeds in our lives and then, you know, kind of makes them sprout later on or fulfills them later on. But now you're here. What are you hoping to see in the next, uh, in, in right now in the near future that you've mm-hmm. jumped in with us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, a few, a few different things. One is that I just hope I can be a resource and a connector for those uh, individuals or churches who would like to get involved overseas, you know, whether it's reaching a city, whether it's compassion ministries, whether it's an unreached people group that a church would like to adopt. I'd love to be just a connector um, and just to help people connect. I'm working with a church in Fullerton right now, um, helping them connect and explore opportunities as a church where they can get really intentionally involved kind of in a long-term partnership. And so I'd love to be available to churches in that way. Um, but I think the other area that has always been, um, well, just for the last several years working in Berlin and leading a team of Americans with a lot of young adults and a lot of younger leaders that um, I just have a heart for emerging leaders and helping our churches actually come alongside emerging leaders. Because I think leadership development looks different today than it did even 10 years ago. Um, and so it's not just passing on what we know anymore. It's really about coming alongside emerging leaders. And so I'd like to help be available in that regard to really help churches think that through. Um, and then also, like I just mentioned, helping churches think through, how do we reach that person? How are we doing at impacting our community? Um, how are we really doing at kind of most churches? And I think you, you know, I have talked about this you know, what church doesn't want to impact their community, right? What church doesn't want to help people experience Christ? 
but yet sometimes we can get so busy with our own programs internally um we forget that there are people who may not darken the door of our church how is our church having impact in in among those people who who may not ever come through the doors of our church through 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 a program and so would love to help churches as well think through that intentionally um how can we be a part of transformation in our community and and of course my background is more with the agnostic atheist those who are non-religious um but in in this district we do have a lot of people who have a religious background and are open to that but just maybe you know aren't pursuing that and so how do we connect with them what does that look like every church is unique and you want to know but usually with questions you can kind of begin to see oh this is a strength a natural strength of the church which they usually don't recognize um sat with with you know a church a couple weeks ago and most of them were bilingual on some level some of them trilingual and um they didn't realize what an uh, an asset that is in terms of their their church involvement right and they didn't even realize it because it's just who they are so a lot of churches don't even realize their natural strengths or assets um but also in terms of missions what i've discovered is that you know this is kind of a strategic planning leadership axiom of you know you overestimate what you can do in a year and you underestimate what you can do in you know three or five and the same is true with missions most churches overestimate what they can do in a year in terms of teams in terms of involvement that kind of thing but they underestimate what with some intentionality what their church could be part of in three to five ten years they could help a whole entire city community experience the gospel <laughs> that never would otherwise and so that is what i i feel like i can offer that just some perspective of saying hey not just dream big, not just the classic, hey, just dream big, but hey, I think you can actually, with some intentionality, really, really have some impact that that would would bless you as well as a church. I love that because you say the key word there is intentionality. And I know, you know, I might be stepping on some toes here, but a lot of churches have this deal where, you know, you, you know somebody who knows somebody and 65 people that you give 25 bucks a month to. What I think is awesome is when I've seen churches just take a deep dive into like one or two places, right? And they're just like all in, right? Like we're going to adopt Berlin. We're going to adopt, you know, Beijing or whatever. You pick a place and you go for it. Oh, absolutely. And it's such a benefit sitting on the other side. It's such a benefit to have a church partner that has that that walked the same streets that I walked every day that got it when I said, oh, my gosh, I had this conversation. And for some people, they'd be like, that doesn't sound very exciting. But if they'd been to Berlin, they knew the context. They were like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. We're so excited about that. You know what's what's happening. So I think even just that that familiarity becomes such a blessing to those who are on kind of the front lines as well, because you have just a deeper experience and you're in it together then, right? That's truly partnership. And I think sometimes we, we are still living in this old model that we can't, well, COVID changed this, but travel, you know, we can't travel, we can't see it, we can't connect. And I think the reality is like, no, like there's no reason now to not be familiar with each other's worlds and really be in it together that it isn't just about writing a check um, and writing a letter and just that exchange. It's really about, hey, we're in this with you. When you hurt, you know, we hurt. And when you rejoice, we rejoice because we get it. We're in this together. Absolutely. And I want to challenge and encourage every church, every pastor listening to this, 
reach out to Katie and just have a conversation because you're instantly going to like her. You're instantly going to be fired up by her because she's like electricity, you know, and she's got so much experience and so many, um, so many ways she can help you. But again, there's two pieces here, at least two pieces that she offers. Not only is it this idea of helping churches ask some right questions to, to like, what are your strengths about what you can do overseas? How can you think about being more strategically effective? But it's also the leadership development component. And you came, you told, talked to me about something, mm-hmm. Katie, where you said you, you had this thought about what does it look like to walk with younger leaders, to cultivate younger leaders, and even this concept of the third place. So talk Mm -hmm. to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, like I said earlier, this is just my heart. And in the last 10 years working in, in Berlin, I have had a lot of young adults and whether they're Americans serving there or young German leaders. And one of the things that I've noticed, um, is that emerging leaders need that third place or third person really to process what they're learning, to um, to really help them get perspective, just to provide a place for them to kind of give their first draft, their first responses, raw emotions, raw questions, frustrations, and and it's not because the the person. Um, that they report to or that they're working with isn't developing them, doesn't care about them, or that they don't have a good relationship. It's just providing another place that's not kind of in that chain of command where they can really just um, really be able to share what they're thinking. Maybe it's meeting just at a different rhythm. You know, I know in the midst of running a ministry and usually you're overseeing something, you've got things you've got to talk about, right? With your supervisor or your boss or your pastor or your lead guy, whatever. Um, you've just got stuff you got to get done. And then even if they have that developmental perspective, like it's just a busy time, you know, you can't, you're, you're, you're running a ministry, right? You're not just sitting around developing each other. So you just need there, there's sometimes just isn't enough time or space, but also it's just great to have somebody who's not that, who's not your boss Mm -hmm. to help you process things. And what I've discovered among, um, a lot of young leaders, maybe it's their first full-time job or it's their first ministry role, or it's their first role doing, you know, uh, kind of reporting structure where they actually have a boss. Um, They, they often will need help just kind of normalizing work culture, work life. Like, yep, that's actually very typical for a boss to request that from you. That's, they're not micromanaging. That's a very normal thing. You just got to keep them in the loop, like just kind of normalizing some of those practices to help that relationship even. So it's not even that the relationship is a, is a problem per se. It's just that who, you know, they're trying to figure out and work well with their supervisor or lead pastor or church staff. And they, they can really benefit from another place to just kind of process and kind of get insight and perspective on what's normal, what's not, and help them navigate to get the most out of that relationship. I remember when I was younger, and I had I had some great mentors, and one of the guys that was um, a great mentor of mine was our the senior pastor of the church that I grew up in. And I remember I was like in my twenties. I was a couple of rungs down on the org chart. It was a pretty big church, and and I remember like he was always super cool about like like we could meet and I could schedule time with him. But I, but I was safe in a sense because I didn't. He wasn't like I didn't directly report to him. And so um, I had I, I wasn't anybody that was like seen as like threatening or anything like that because I was so much younger than 
he was and in a totally different place. But I remember one time I told him, I said, I said, you know, um, I guess if I look at my life and I look at you, like someday when I'm, when I grow up, you know, I kind of want to be like you, what, what would I have to do to do that? And I think sometimes we, we think about, um, developing people as in how do we maximize them for the job that we have them in today? Mm-hmm. We don't think about like, how do I develop this person to make another person that might take my job someday or might be in my, in my job in another church, in another context. So, mm-hmm. so, and, mm-hmm. and you're right. There are still some things that are going to be awkward because they just are. And you made the point, cause I, I made it when you and I were talking about this, mm-hmm. I, I said something like, well, you know, I, you know, my, the guys I worked with, they always felt like they could come to me with anything. And then I think it was you that was like, well, that's what you think. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And our team, we were talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. I think it was Bob actually was like, uh, they're not, you're, you're not as like whatever approachable. Oh, I don't know what it, approachable. Yeah. And, and the reality is it's true because there's a lot riding on it. Like, and so you want that you, I mean, that's, right. The perspective you have is because you care about them as a person. Right. And that's, that's what you're saying. And that's what they're going to feel. Right. That you really do care about that. But there are some things that you actually don't really want to know. You don't want to hear all of those things. You don't want to hear their, you know, some of their, their frustrations, like, (laughs) or just their deeper thoughts. Like it's okay to have a third place for them to do that. That's supportive. That's helping them grow as a person. But it just, it can, yeah, it can be risky. There can be questions where it's like, okay, well, if you're, if you're not interested in that or now I think you're unmotivated as your supervisor. I think you're actually unmotivated when you might not be, you're just Mm -hmm. processing how you feel about it that day or that week or whatever, you know? So yeah, there, there, I think as a leader, you can kind of feel like, well, why can't they come to me? Why can't they get it all from me? And the reality is they can't. So let's just recognize that. And, and the reality is like, you are going to wear that, you know, it's kind of one of those, I think principles is that, you know, you want, you, you can't really take off your boss hat. It's hard you to do can't. that. It's really it's hard. hard to do. Yeah. It's really hard to do that. And it's hard for other people to and do And it can be well. confusing. It could be confusing it, to yes. the person. You know, one of the, um, in the, in my kind of what I've learned about coaching and just my experience in coaching, we can often coach the problem, not the person. And that's really mm. when we're working with younger leaders, we really want to develop the person not just find, not just fix the, the the current problem. And so that's where we really kind of have to step back. And that's where sometimes we're just too busy to do that, you know, and um, we need other, they need other people besides just uh, one other, you know, leader, but we want to help them develop as a person and full-time ministry may not be their thing, you know, like oftentimes I know that in my upbringing, like I was, I wanted to influence people and I wanted to have influence for Christ. And so the natural thing was, well, you should do ministry. And I think we should actually encourage people to, it, can you do anything besides ministry? <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, the do that, you know, and not that we just have the leftover, you know, the runs of the litter leading <laughs> our churches, yeah. but like, but, but right. Like the sense that like, there are a lot of places to have influence for Christ and to lead people to communicate and to get a people, you know, I mean, there are a lot of, um, there's a need for that. We actually need that in our communities in, in business, in our schools to have Christians who can lead and can influence others for Christ. And so sometimes we get too narrow, like, like you said, like, Hey, we're developing people to be us. And we really, I think 
I think especially now because culture has changed so much and shifted so much, even in the last uh, 10 years, that we really can't just reproduce who we are anymore. We're not just passing on what, what we know um, or who or the skills that we have, because we are actually going to have to help leaders develop skill sets we don't have. That's good. I wanted to leave a little pause after you said that. Because that's something to think about. We have to develop leaders who have skills that we don't have because they're going to be facing problems that we don't have to face. Mm-hmm. That is really, yeah. and it does, it takes you, it, it takes a minute to step back and consider that, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that, because he, and by the way, I mean, God's going to raise up, I mean, God, he loves us, but he really doesn't need us. Right. So, so he's going to raise up the people he needs to do what he wants to do. And those people are going to be the ones who are going to go after the challenges of, you know, the day. And, and they're not going to be the same things as ours. Um, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. really, that's Mm -hmm. a really important point. Mm -hmm. And so you, so bringing it back to you, why I'm excited about you, like what I would love is, is for, for churches to, to reach out to you uh, and especially if you have like, if you have a, a, a leader, you know, a younger leader, it could be an older leader too, but we're focusing on younger leaders because so much of the stuff that we're talking about for them is undefined, right? Like mm-hmm. where do, where am I going to go? Where am I going to end up? And you, and just to have someone, mm-hmm. I remember I had that Katie. I had this one guy when I was planting my church, he was from um, CRM church resource ministries and he was in the area. And somehow I met him. I don't remember how. And he and I would just like, he'd meet me for coffee and we would just talk about stuff. And he just kind of helped me understand the world better and get out of my tunnel. I was in a real, I was in a tunnel of like, well, I have to do this and have to do that and think this way and think that way. And it was, it was always like the most refreshing thing to talk with him because he was, he would just help me think differently about things. And I think that's what I think you can help people do in churches so that, that become more aware of, of who they are, but like a more aware of who, of what ministry actually is, as opposed to like, well, I have this job during this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would just say leadership development. One of the changes in it is that it isn't just this skill set that now everybody needs to learn like competencies, Mm -hmm. but that's really, if you look at, um, seminary training, practical theology in the last 10, 20, 30 years, they're trying to always, they're always trying to identify what are the competencies that leaders need to have. And I would, we got to, those are bad, but that's not, that's not going to be the focus of leadership development. And especially because people are people, they want to be seen as a person, not just a leader in a box in a program. And especially generationally, we really want to be sensitive to that. And so there are just some really simple things that I think most churches, if they're aware of, or leaders are aware of, it would, it would, it would, they just, it would just push them down the road farther in terms of really coming alongside the emerging leaders that are already in their midst and getting kind of get them unstuck. Cause I think some of our churches just are stuck in, in, in developing leaders and there's some easy fixes. So what would be an example of a couple of those easy fixes? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think one of it, one of them is um, kind of the, <laughs> um, well, this is an example from my experience. I had young leaders showing up um, at this. It was like a large format women's Bible study. And, um, I had young leaders showing up and they didn't stick around. And I thought, why aren't we getting, this is like the perfect place for them to grow as a leader, to get involved, to get some experience, try leading, learn from others. And, and it got, I finally just, 
I did a little more prying and realized they they weren't sticking around because they the women that were there, they didn't feel like they could learn from. They didn't feel like the women that were there were the mentors that they were wanting or needing. And it's true. The women that were there weren't there to mentor the, the women who are further down the road or a different age set. And so they were really, it was in the wrong place. So they were showing up, but they were in the wrong place. And if I had recognized that, I would have made some shifts and even started something separate for them or whatever, you know, would have been able to like think through that a little bit. But I think sometimes you have the younger, some churches will say, well, we don't even have, we don't have young leaders. We don't have them. We don't have anybody in that, you know, we don't have anybody kind of in that place. And it's like, ah, they, they may, they may have shown up and left. So you want to think about that. Oh, that's, you know what? So I think, I think I know what you're saying. I, and I, I think I have experienced that. <laughs> so to add, so what you're saying, I think is, let's say you take the typical run of the mill, like women's ministry that might have as its leadership, either intentional or like de facto unintentional women that have been at the church for a long period of time, have, have a lot of relational capital, but and maybe there's, you know, and they're good godly women, but there's no, there's like no way to really break into that. And there's no really focus for like, so when the young woman comes in they're they're you know, to a situation like what you're describing, there's no real understanding or even paradigm of like, Hey, I need to be pouring into this person and asking them questions right. and seeing how they tick and wondering what they're what are the things that they're worried about? What are the what are their what are their blockages? Because they themselves have never really thought that way. So it's just that that's that's I mean, like even that right there, that's huge. Like that's that's a mm-hmm. that work that's like a nitty-gritty kind of a thing that churches can just easily ignore and just keep on moving on. But then like you said, you wonder like, well, why are why aren't we getting any young women? Yep. Am I am yep. I am I right? Why are we getting any young women, the young men? You can, you know, substitute different right. details, right, but right, right. Either the, those who were there who had who you wanted to be mentoring people weren't empowered to do so, or those who were there were really struggling and just needing to be ministered to themselves, which is also okay. But they, that just wasn't the place where where they could find those mentors, and the, and that was all they had. They couldn't give more, right? And so if it, you know that that they had one night a week to offer, and that was it. It's well, so, it, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's like what you're doing is you're asking these young people to adapt to the environment as opposed to adapting the environment to make it something that the young yeah, leaders could exactly. thrive in. Exactly. Yep. Ah. Yep. So another- See, I think that, I think that's probably like, that could be worth the whole price of this podcast right now. <laughs> like that alone, that <laughs> if you really think about that, think about that. Mm-hmm. That's when you're getting, you're really un, overturning some of the the rocks and seeing what's underneath some of that stuff. Because mm-hmm. we can sit there and go, well, yeah. we don't have anybody, and it's like, well, like you said, no, yeah, yeah, you do. They're yeah. there, but you have to change the systems and structure mm-hmm. to accommodate mm-hmm. them. So let me give you another example, um, which I think probably has happened in in a lot of our churches as well. Um, so uh, we were looking for the, the youth department was looking for leaders, kind of leads, right? Volunteer leaders. And so um, they asked this um, young woman, I think she's in her twenties or early thirties. Um, at the time she was a high school counselor at a very um, under-resourced in a very under-resourced city, neighboring city. And um, they kept asking her to help with the youth, with the senior high youth. And she kept saying, no, 
And so she really just kind of went under the radar. And then finally, one day I was talking with her and I got, got to know her and she was a high school counselor and she actually had a program that she helped lead and run called Students Run LA. And it was, it was a program to train kind of under-resourced youth to help them run a marathon, build up their self-esteem. So every day after school, she was out with these kids running, running miles, just pounding pavement, building in them, investing into them, resourcing them. And the church never recognized what a ministry that was. Mm. She was essentially leading a youth group at her high school, at the high school campus. And yet the church didn't see her as a leader because she didn't fit in that narrow box. Yeah. So in other words, that your answer would be like, hey, why don't you just leverage what's already happening and talk to her and say, how can we get behind and support you? Can we, yes. can we provide, can we show up and provide Gatorades for you? Can we provide other volunteer staff that might help you out with this? And then we turn around and celebrate that on Sunday morning and say, look what we're doing in the community. Exactly. Rather than exactly, that's something to be excited about and get behind, not something to, to kind of either ignore or just like, she, she just kind of fell then, you know, in the cracks because she wasn't running a program of the church. Whereas the church could have actually seen, this is our, this is our member doing, running this program. This is an extension of us. This is exactly what we want the church to be doing. Right. She, she found a way on her own to really have influence for Christ among these kids. And, and, and yet that, you know, the church had this very, and I think, and I'm not trying to throw the church under the bus. I think we all, we do this. Like we just have a very narrow, like this is the volunteer role that we need. And if you don't fit in this volunteer role, then it's hard for us to come alongside you because we don't know that, that, that as well. And I think as ministry leaders, we have experience in ministry and we know how to develop people for ministry, but it's like, whoa, what if they're doing, what if, what if their ministry is going to be in their workplace? We've got to do a little bit more, like you said, like, what do you need? What can we do? How can we get behind you? We have to ask more questions and how to support that person because it's not been our lived experience, so to speak. Right. Because most people, if they're leaders, they're already doing something. People could already be doing things and you just need to platform them. And I think, you know, like we talked about, like some people, like younger leaders are often in the wrong seat on the bus and, and they, they need to see others besides you or me or besides the church staff. And I think even looking around your church and saying, who are the, who are the professionals who are the parents, you know, who are the, the, the seasoned people in our community that we want to platform actually. And I think, mm. uh, you know, a friend of mine, um, he, he's owned a construction business for many years. And when he bought it and first entered into the, the industry, they had a pattern of uh, colluding for bids. And when he bought that business, he changed that, mm. that industry and that, in that region no longer operates that way because of the ethics that he brought to the table. And when I heard that story, Tim, I was like, why is the church not platforming him? This is exactly what it looks like to live out the gospel as a Christian and in in a business context. And we need to platform those voices because they're not us. We don't have that experience. Even if, even if you did, we're in the business world before getting into ministry, it's not your current experience. And we need to we need to really value those people who are doing the help and platform them, and, and because they are really examples for the rest of us. 
and they have experience and they have insight that will help others that we just don't have. And that is okay. That, that is so profound because especially now that, you know, I'm in this role, um, we're, you know, you have to decide, or do you want to be a hero or do you want to be a hero maker? You know? And it's like, you have the opportunity to be a hero maker in all of this by doing things like you said, platforming people that are already doing great stuff in your church. And you do get, you know, it, it does begin to shape when I say get credit, I mean, it, you, it shapes the, the identity of your church. Cause you go, man, we got okay. this guy and this person, this person, mm-hmm. let me say one final thing too, on this, that I think is really important. Uh, that when we talk about young leaders and your um, desire and ability to help and shape them for ministry in the church, outside the church, for the church, for the glory of God, we're referring to men and women. Um, And I think that's really important because, you know, a lot of times what happens is when we like talk to you and it's like, oh, people, and I think like naturally for, for guys, when they hear someone like you, who's a woman talking, they think, oh, I'll get her around a bunch of the ladies. Can I tell you, I would stand Katie up to any dude who can teach leadership development and who can like walk with a, you know, help and guide along um, anybody. So don't just in your mind, don't do that natural mental thing of going, well, here's a woman that can help with a bunch of the women. Think here's a woman that could help with any of our emerging leaders that we might have. Mm -hmm. That's fair to say, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think, you know, a lot of this, like even generationally, Tim, I think this is shifting and I have had, um, you know, male mentors, female mentors, and I've needed that because a lot of the women, you know, that are more seasoned to learn from just didn't have some of that leadership experience that I needed that the men had. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's been my experience. And I, I really benefited from that. And I think even generationally, what I'm seeing is that's actually more the norm than not. And I think we need to be aware that, that younger leaders coming up are, are value both the voices of both genders and really want them speaking into their life and are going to be more balanced and um, have, have um, perspective that will really enrich them as younger leaders and that it's a, it's a good thing. And they're just used to it. They're just used to it. Right. And I just wanted to, 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 to kind of like get that out there because this is not in like, this is not an issue of don't, don't put Katie in the, in the box of like where we stand, you know, with churches, like, well, what's the role of women and blah, blah, blah. Like, this is so, this is not to do with any of that. This is Katie is a person who can in an auxiliary um, capacity come into your church and work with people. And you know, you're exactly right, Katie. I look back and I think of, there were, um, there've been several key women that I've looked up to, um, who, who just, who had wisdom and insight and spoke into situations in my life. And I just saw them as God's voices for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I just, I need it. I need, I need to say that because in the past, when we've, when we've platformed women like yourself, um, the natural thing is for the guys to go, Oh yeah, this is great for our women. It's like, no, 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 time out. Um, it's for everybody. So, and like you said, young, old, everything else. And I think, and you're at a place in your life where you have, you have gained enough experience, insight, wisdom, and just skills to, to speak so credibly, um, into pretty much any situation in ministry. And so I just want everybody to know that, that, um, you know, you, Katie is here as a resource for you. And because you are part of our EFCA West family. Um, she uh, she is there for you, as all of our staff are. And so I, I'm just so excited about this. And um, 
we we have we are so blessed with resources and people um, like yourself, Katie. So if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, um, they can email me, katie.dudgeon at efca.org. Um, the last name is a bit hard to spell, so you might have to Google it. It's D. <laughs> it's D U D G E O N. It's it's not like it's uh, um, you know, I won't say a name because somebody will get offended, but it's not that hard. <laughs> I think. Um, but also, my cell phone is seven one four seven zero seven one three eight five, and they can um, easily just send a text message or whatever. And I would. 714-707-1385. But um, I would also say it doesn't have to be a long conversation. It can be as much or as little as you need as well. Like, like it can be just let's sit down for an hour and let me ask some questions and then I'll give you some thoughts and you can see where that goes. But it doesn't have to be like, hey, you don't have to contract me. <laughs> you don't have to like, you know, sign up for seven easy payments. Um, it's just <laughs> a bait just and switch. A, yeah, right, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. All this is set up and then, uh, oh, guess what? You got a bill for a hundred bucks an hour. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. you're, no, you're totally that. I mean, that's why you're here. And, and so again, it's just, I, I want you to everybody to know that EFCA West just became more valuable January 1, 2022, because that's when Katie joined our team. And um, again, working in conjunction with Reach Global, it's a new innovative idea that we um, created here. And I just, I, I'm excited about turning you loose, Katie, on seeing you just turn loose and go crazy this year in our district and all the, um, the ways that we can have impact, you know, with all of our churches. So anyway, uh, other than that, Katie, thank you so much for your time, for, for all that you do, for all that you, you are, for your commitment to Christ and his, and the, and the, in the church and the ministry. It's just awesome to have you with us. 